0: You're listening to a podcast from JNNP. Welcome to this JNNP podcast from the uh, British Neuropsychiatry Association meeting at the Institute of Child Health in uh, February. I'm David Skews. I'm Professor of Behavioural and Brain Sciences at the Institute of Child Health and a consultant uh, child psychiatrist at Great Ormond Street Hospital. I'm interviewing uh, my colleague Chris Bruin, who also happens to be from UCL. Chris, would you like to uh, say a
1: little bit about your role here at UCL? Yes, uh, my name's Chris Bruin, Um, I'm a professor of clinical psychology and I specialise in the treatment of post-traumatic stress and I work in a specialist uh, clinic where we deal specifically with people who have been traumatised by a variety of childhood and adult experiences. And Chris has been talking to us today about the impact of these
0: traumatic experiences on the brain and in particular the impact on structure and function there's some very intriguing aspects of the uh, post-traumatic stress disorder some of which i i wasn't familiar with it's not my my area at all but chris one of the the most striking i thought uh, introductory comments you made was that actually post-traumatic stress disorder isn't a homogeneous condition in fact it's uh, there are at least two quite distinct types of post-traumatic stress experience.
1: It's been shown that when people are reminded about their trauma, they may react in rather different ways. Some people get very uh, aroused and excited, and their brain responses tend, you tend to get um, a down-regulation of the prefrontal cortex and increased activation in the areas of the limbic system that are involved in emotion, such as the amygdala other individuals respond with a reaction we call dissociation. So they may have an out-of-body experience for example they may start feeling emotionally numb, they may feel time slowing up or or speeding up or slowing down. Um, They tend to, to show a very different pattern, in fact the opposite pattern whereby you get a down regulation of the amygdala and the limbic system and an up regulation of the prefrontal cortex. So I think we're familiar with the idea
0: of flashbacks evoking a sense of being back, living the experience as it is experienced almost live. I have to say my experience, that's mainly from watching movies. But um, those experiences of living the event as though it were happening all over again in the present is one thing. How do the people who have this dissociative experience respond? Are they, is their experience of dissociation triggered by the same sort of stimuli?
1: It often is triggered by the same sort of stimuli, and part of the treatment process involves gi- having them give up this dissociative response, learning to stop themselves dissociating so that they can actually fully re-experience the nature of the trauma. But to be honest, we really don't know whether these are two completely different types of reaction which always remain the same, or whether the same individual may respond in one way on one occasion and in a different way on another occasion. So, so there are very basic questions to answer. Yes, yes. And of course, in your talk, you, uh, you
0: took this dichotomy, explored it a little further, and suggested that we might begin to understand a little about the differences by thinking about two quite distinct pathways by which the brain processes these, uh, these traumatic experiences.
1: Yes, this, this uh, flashback symptom of experiencing a traumatic event in the present is such an unusual symptom. We don't really find it in any other psychiatric disorder. And it doesn't behave like normal memory. So, for example, you can't deliberately have a flashback Um, People describe them as being very overwhelming. They see things and hear things much more intensely than they do during their ordinary memories. So, a lot of our work has been trying to think, what could account for this? Is this really a different kind of memory, supported by a different kind of memory system? And because the, uh, the way the brain is activated by
0: the original event, seems to activate two quite distinct pathways, one of which is much more associated with the visual imagery of the event, and that, as I recall is the is the dorsal stream and then you have a, a ventral uh, processing stream which is interacting with hippocampal parac- hippocampal uh, structures and and functions um, and that sets a context for the event and these two can be quite separate, is that right so that when somebody sees say an, an image hears a a word that evokes the original traumatic event, you can get, for example, activation of that of that dorsal stream in a way which in which they can't set a context. It just comes out of the blue and it just hits them as though it was as I say, the event was happening all over again.
1: Yes, we're starting with the assumption that there are two very different forms of representation of visual scenes in the brain. As you say, one of them is, it, is it, you get a, an image of the entire um, scene which can be used for, you see from an egocentric perspective, you use it for actually acting rapidly on the world in situations of danger. And the other type of representation is, uh, involves much more higher order cognitive processing, it's much more abstract, it's much more flexible and manipulable and normally these two different types of representation would be strongly linked so that the activation of one would produce the activation of the other. What we think is happening during a traumatic event is that the uh, the ventral visual stream structures um, are less efficient, less active. They don't do their job of contextualizing the experience whereas the parts of the brain, the dorsal stream structures, which record the egocentric perspective for actually acting on the world, they're, act- they're really operating extremely effectively. So you end up with a very strong and powerful visual image that hasn't been successfully contextualized as something that belongs in the past. And so for some reason, perhaps because of the
0: intensity of the trauma or perhaps because of some sort of individual susceptibility, these two streams can become dissociated in some people and that's what leads to the clinical presentation later on of PTSD. Is
1: that a a fair sort of summary of of what you believe at the moment anyway? Yes, I think there are two things happening. Um, First of all, some people we know react to traumatic experiences by becoming extremely passive, feeling very very overwhelmed and unable to even think about what's happening. So we think those are the people who are most at risk of this dissociation happening and then after the traumatic event is over people will start naturally having flashbacks in which images of this event start coming to mind and most people will actually pay attention to those images and they'll reintegrate them with their ordinary memories of the event but for the person with PTSD these images are often so horrible they're so upsetting, they arouse emotions that are so negative and they feel unable to deal with that they block those images out and as a result that reintegration never happens. Mm. And so it sounds to me as though this important work you're
0: doing has tremendous implications for uh, the most effective way in which we might
1: go about treating PTSD. Well, it helps to explain why psychological therapists want people to go over their traumatic experience in enormous detail. On the face of it, you might think, well, aren't you just going to make this horrible memory stronger and make people worse by doing this? Um, and our explanation is that you're strengthening a form of memory whereby the, the event can be placed in the past. And you're controlling the, the form of memory that comes back as images Yes. And so um, have you had a chance to put this theory into practice yet? Well, this sort of um, treatment whereby you you tell the trauma story in detail is very much part of of routine psychological treatment at the moment. But our theory does make some predictions about how we might be able to do it better. In particular, so rather than just reimagining your trauma from um, your direct egocentric viewpoint, the theory suggests if you could imagine it from a different viewpoint, then actually that might reduce your levels of arousal and make the experience easier to reintegrate. And how soon do you think you'd be able to, to tell us whether this uh, adjunct
0: to the uh, current accepted therapy might, might actually improve outcomes?
1: Well, that will depend on the uh, funding bodies and their decisions whether or not to support this important line of research.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you very much indeed for uh, talking to us today.
1: Thank you.